Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. How many of you know that God is a God of process? How many of you have arrived? Are you alive? There's a lot of people in this room and I'm Puerto Rican, so you're going to have to get it together. God is a God of process. And according to your Bible, he wants to take you, I say this probably every week, he wants to take you from glory to glory. He wants you to grow and to mature in your faith. And he wants you to, as you partner and you co-labor with him, he wants to build history through you. I'm not just talking about through abide, I'm talking about through you. So let's just, let's just, from the onset, let's just throw off this thing that says, hey, well, well, God wants to use me, but only in the context of church. No, he wants to use you. He wants to deposit dreams, passions, visions, desires to, to establish his kingdom through you. Now that can look like many things. That doesn't have to look like you holding a mic in a pulpit. That doesn't have to look like you standing on a street corner. It doesn't have to look like you starting a new ministry. But make no mistake about it, he wants to use you to establish his kingdom. So when the disciples said Jesus, they asked him, teach us how to pray. He told, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, 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 that the kingdom of heaven, Pastor Tyler talked about it last week, that there is an eternal kingdom that is much longer, it's been here much longer, and it is much more real than this. That's, right. That's why the Bible tells us to not put our money and our trust and our hope in, in temporal things, things of the world, because they are going to fade away. That's right. Come on. As beautiful as your house, your car, your bank account is, is going to fade away. And every single one of us, one day we're going to find ourselves in front of King Jesus. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he's not going to call you apostle, prophet, this. In that moment, you're just Geo. You're just destiny. And it's just you and all you have to count on is your obedience. And this should be an exciting thing for us. Because listen, as I was was praying on Wednesday night, and I I tell you guys often, I journal, I have different journals, and and, uh, in 2008, um, one of the guys who was in the discipleship program, he said, you need to start writing down the things that you're experiencing, because we're really easy to forget all that God has done. How many of you would agree with that? Like, I'm really, I'm really, I'm I'm the guy that God will speak to me at one o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I'll write it down in the morning, and then I don't remember what it is. We're really quick to forget the things that God has done, the things that God has spoken. But as we begin to take inventory and write and make it count, what happens is we begin to look back. So, for example, on Wednesday night, I was reading through one of my journals from 2010. 2010, I was in ministry school, uh, second to third year of ministry school. And I was reading some things that, that like, <laughs> oh, it was so terrible. The, the handwriting, the grammar, all of it was so bad. But as I was reading, I was looking through the things that I would be praying through multiple pages. And I was so moved because I came to the realization that the things that I'm living in today were prayers I prayed in 2010. I remember one page that that I was writing and I said, God, the people that, that I'm with today, I want to do life with forever. I said that. And some of you guys are here and you may not know, but the people that are are literally on staff of this church are the people that I prayed for to be with us. Times where I'm like, God, I just want you to use me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I just want to be used by you. Can you just use me? Because listen, when you come out of, I came out of six years of addiction, you don't have self-esteem. 
You're just thankful that God chose you. You're just thankful that you get to be in the game and a part of what he's doing. And nothing's changed. And what I believe God wants for us, he's asking us, is he's asking us to build history with him. Yeah. Are you hearing me? To build history, there are things that can be done. I can line you up in this room and we can lay hands on you. And I do believe in impartation. I believe that there's something inside of you that God has deposited. I do not believe that I have anything to give you. All good things come from God. But I do believe that there are things inside of you that are laying dormant that as we lay hands on you can be activated. But the one thing that I cannot give you is my history with God. I can't give you the times where I was broken and he came. I can't give you the times where I, I felt like I don't know how this is going to work and he showed up. I'm sorry. I'm struggling. And what I believe God wants to do with us and what I believe he's already done is he's deposited in, he has deposited inside of you something significant. He has given you words. He has given you experience and the different things and he wants us to move past. Listen, if you're going to live your life trying to understand everything about this faith, you're just not going to make it. God is not interested in living inside of your box. Your Bible is riddled and full of things that you cannot understand. And we read them and we read them and we pass by them because they're common to us. But you need to really take a step back and think about this. Story, let's just think about the story of Moses. Moses stands before Pharaoh and he says, God told me to let, you, my peop, let his people go. How do you know? Well, I was walking in the desert and there was a bush on fire. And out of the bush came a voice. Are you alive? And as the voice came out of the bush, I knew it was God. Noah, I'm supposed to build an ark for something that's never come before. How do you know? I just heard it. And it's coming. All throughout the Bible, we see these testimonies of people. Paul was a murderer. His name was Saul. And all of a sudden, he has this experience with God. And everybody, how many of you know everybody still knew him as Saul the murderer? Well, like, well, what happened? Well, I was walking down a road and the light blinded me. And I was blind for three days, but then this guy prayed for me and like scales fell off of my eyes. It's common to us because we read it over and over again and we dissociate ourselves with the reality that God wants to, he wants you to experience him in that way. Yes. He wants you to be marked by encounter. He wants you to experience him, whether it's through the word, whether it's through a service, whether it's through, through you going into your secret place and saying, I'm not leaving until you come. He wants to experience you. I was reading the story this week of Doubting Thomas, where they said, Jesus has come back. He said, I do not believe. I imagine the time later them saying, well, what caused you to believe after your doubt? Well, well, the dead guy showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and he was standing before me and I put my finger in his wound. <sighs> and they're like, oh yeah, now I get it. Time and time again, as we go through this word, we see things that are beyond, listen, they intellectually offend us. We see this in John 6 where Jesus is talking to his followers and he's speaking to them. And the masses are there and there's people and people and people. And then he goes from preaching a message that, that is comfortable to saying, if you want to follow me, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Do you remember this? 
this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Because he's speaking these words and the disciples say, this is too hard. We don't understand. And the people are leaving. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he turns to the 12 and he says, aren't you going to leave too? And what I'm praying for us today is as we build history with God, this is what I believe you find in John 6. In John 6, you find Peter and he comes to the realization. He says this, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You understand, he doesn't understand yet what Jesus was talking about. Jesus, is, in his mind, it's cannibalism. Let's just, let's just be real about it. But as Jesus turns to him, he says, where else are we going to go? He says this, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe. We believe. Is it going in and out? We believe. And in my Bible, it says, we know. I love that it differentiated that. We believe and we know. That word know there is to experience. It's not something that was taught to them. It's an inner knowing. Something on the inside of them that said, listen, I know by experience that you are the Holy One. And what God is wanting to do through you, through his people, is he's wanting to build history with you. A history that cannot be imparted. Listen, when David says, I imagine he's writing, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you are with me. And the people saying, well, how do you know? Well, I was in some really difficult situations. And I felt alone. And I felt like it was all going to end. But at the very last moment, God came through. As you walk through the valley of the shadow, as you walk through difficulties, you begin to learn through experience. And that experience does something for you that no sermon can ever do. There's an inner knowing that happens in the inside of your soul that says, I don't care what you say because I know what I have seen. So where else am I going to go? I always throw this away. I got to give up on that. I'm just meant to hold a mic. It's the Lord's will. So... So in this time, listen, we live, in a, we live in a culture. Jesus says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? It's not egg yolk, right? It's not egg yolk. It's something that literally you put on. Like if you've seen a horse, the carriage and the horse are yoked together. And the carriage goes wherever. Listen, the horse goes wherever the person driving desires. And so from the beginning, you need to know, listen, Jesus is not yoked to you. You're yoked to him. Do you hear me? Wherever he goes, we go. I know we live in a culture that's like, well, gee, and here's the, the terrible thing about free will is he'll let you go your own way. That's what Pastor Tyler was talking about last week. Listen, let's not be people who say words, that we say words that he's not saying in his name. But that we would align ourselves with the presence of God and that we would have a conviction that we're speaking from his heart. And so as we go through, through these stories, listen, in 1 Samuel 1, you find this woman. Her name is Hannah. And there's a man, and for whatever reason, he's married to two wives. We won't talk about that right now, but <laughs> he's married to two women. And one of them had many children. 
And the other one was Hannah, and she was barren. Can I talk to you about barrenness a little bit? One of them was barren, and you need to understand that in this, in this time, to be barren was to be looked at as God doesn't have favor on you. It's almost to be bypassed by God. So here's this woman, year after year, she's barren. She does not have the capacity to give birth to the desire that's in her heart. And so there's this woman and there's this man. And the Bible says the man loved Hannah. The man loved Hannah. They would go up to this place and they would do sacrifices. And it said the man gave her double portion. And so they would go. But there was this inner desire inside of her that says it's not enough just to be loved. I must give birth to something. <laughs> oh, so you're going to get this today. It's going to be great. And so it says finally, listen. In 1 Samuel 1, I want you to see they had gone to a place, they had had a meal in Shiloh, and Hannah got up to pray, and there was a priest, Eli, who was there. And Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly to the Lord. And she made this vow, like this was a, this was a declaration she made to the Lord. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord and his hair will never be cut. With the understanding that in this time for a person to have hair that wasn't cut was a Nazarite. It was a person who was consecrated completely to the Lord. His whole life was centered around God. So watch this. There's a woman who was barren for a long time, but she has a desire in her heart to conceive and to give birth. There's a man who loves the woman, but the love was not enough because she knew she was called to more. The woman finally gets to a place in her life. This is important. Catch this. She gets to the place in her life where she says, God, if you give to me what I am given will be yours. And the moment she made that vow, that determination in her heart, Eli comes, and I don't want to read it, but he thinks she's drunk. She's like, I'm not drunk, I'm hurting, and he comes, to the, he comes to the knowing that she desires, and Eli speaks a blessing over her, and the very next sec section down, you see that soon later, she gave birth to Samuel, and what I believe God is saying for us today is as we build history, listen, barrenness. Understand, we're not talking about physical, right? We're not talking about physical labor. Understand, I'm not trying to bless y'all with more kids. We have enough kids over there right now, okay? We got to rotate all the nursery workers. They get PTSD over there. But what I am saying is this, that as God deposits seed inside of you, he is trying to birth something through you. So some of us, we've come into services and we've had experiences with God. We've ran in journals years ago. God has spoken to us. We've been moved, but we have yet gotten to the place where we have given birth to what he has spoken. And so we begin to look at barrenness as a curse. We look at the people around us. And listen, the Bible calls the woman who he was married to, the other woman, her rival. So we begin to pin ourselves against people because we're disturbed by their blessing. And so through barrenness, listen, I want to say this to you. Barrenness can be a blessing if you allow it to. Oh, I know it's hard to amen that, but I want, I want you to catch it. Because barrenness prepares you to receive the blessing. 
You see in the Bible, some of the most powerful people in the Bible, they were birthed from a barren woman. We skip over it. But listen, there was a woman who cried out to God and said, give me a child or I will die. And from that prayer, from that place, who was born? Joseph. Remember this? He became one of the most powerful people in the Bible. He saved an entire, an entire nation. You see this woman, Hannah, give me a child, I'll give it back to you. What's birth? Hannah. Oh, sorry, Samuel through Hannah. <laughs> Hannah came from Hannah. <laughs> and Samuel became one of the most, listen, Samuel was the one who anointed David. The guy we talk about who killed Goliath, the man after God's own heart, he came from the anointing that was on his life. He recognized David. Are you with me? John the Baptist, Elizabeth was barren. And she cried out to God and what came was a person who prepared the way for the Lord. So what God is trying to do is he's trying to prepare us in this season. And this is where we build history. Listen, history with God is not built at Disneyland. Come on, come on. This is easy. This is good. We have baptisms. But I'm telling you, when you come into a point in your life where you say, I'm to the end of my strength, that is the place where God wants to build history with you. That is the place where you learn the character of God. You think the character of God is learned through a sermon? There are lessons that can only be learned. That's why when you have a listen, you're like, oh, I love kids. And people say to you, you will never know the love of a mother until you have a kid. No matter how much you thought you loved kids, there's something that happened when it's your own birth that allows you to understand by experience what that really means. So as we could listen, this is why this is important, because the devil would want to keep you distracted with the now, with the urgent and the urgent will rob you. Listen, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Are you OK? Oh, let me say this. Those those who need significance. You understand, listen, and I'm not going to have you raise hands, but I know we live in a world where everybody wants to be significant. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be known. But the danger of significance is it will have you bow to the urgent and it pulls you away from the process. You hear me? So God has you on this path and he's trying to bless you, but the devil will put good. You hear me? Now, I'm not saying curses. He'll put good in the way. To try to deter you from what God really has for you. This is the truth. And what God is trying to do, listen, God is a good steward. You think stewardship is just about money? Money is 101 baby Christianity. When you begin, y'all, listen, I'm trying to teach you something. As you begin to walk with the Lord, you begin to ask him like things for like anointings. Because anointings do things that money can never do. Right. You could build a building, but without an anointing, nothing changes. So the Lord, what he's trying to do is he's trying to pour out. But listen, he is a good steward. And for some of us, we're asking for things that we just don't understand. And because he's a good steward, he cannot release to us. That which we are not ready. We don't have the capacity. So for example, I love my son. I love him to death. And because I love him, everything that I have is, everything that I have is Judah's. I don't have my money, Judah's money, Salem's money, all of our money. It's our money, you understand? And I want my son to be blessed. But I would never just walk up to my son right now and just give him a $100 bill. 
just wouldn't. Why? Because he doesn't know how to properly assign value to that bill. Are you listening? He doesn't, he doesn't understand how to properly steward what I've just put in his hands. All he knows is he has something that matters, but he, doesn't, he hasn't properly ascribed. So like the way I would spend $100 and the way Judah, we would have lots of Power Rangers. <laughs> lots of things that, that, that they're great for him. But listen, as we begin to ask, we build history with God. What he wants us to do is sometimes he'll put us in a corner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He will put us in a corner. In that corner, we look at it as God deliver us when he's trying to use it to prepare us. And we want to disassociate. Some of you are already, you're already zoned out because you don't want to hear it. You're looking all, you're looking all, you're looking all the other way. But I want, to, I want to disclaimer you right now. Don't be mad when you look around and people are giving birth to things and you're still barren. With all the love in my heart. Because listen, God, make no mistake, we're believing for revival. You hear me? That's what we're believing for. We're believing for God to come and to transform our community. I don't care less about a bigger building. I just want people who 100%, they burn white hot for him. You don't believe me? Stick around. I've been preaching the same thing for three years. I'm believing that God is going to pour out his presence, but because he is a good steward, he is looking for a pure container to pour out into. You're like, well, I don't feel pure. Good. Well, join the club. We become pure by encountering him in the secret place. You think we push you to the secret place so you can do some ministry? No. It's because in the secret place, you find the you you've always wanted. You go into that place and you wait on the Lord. And you're like, well, I don't feel anything. We'll wait a little longer. The other night I was, I was going to sleep and the Lord was like speaking to me. It was one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Jesus, like, well, I'm trying to go to sleep, bro. You don't ever think like that? No, no, just me. Like my son wakes up at like 4.30 in the morning. It seems like every day. And I said, God, why can't you just speak to me? Like, you know, there's a 1 p.m. I'm available. And I told Pastor Talis, I said, immediately he answered me. He said, the only, he said, the reason I speak to you at 1 a.m. is because it's the only time you're really listening. You wouldn't say that because you're too holy, but I'm, I'm just. <laughs> we live in a busy, distracted life. And if the only time we build history with God is on Sunday morning from 9 a.m. from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're missing on a lot of God moments. We're missing the opportunity to step in and listen, there is power in testimony. Why do we always talk about the testimonies of the Lord, whether it's God healing or God delivering? Why did I share with you about Buddy? Because as we release testimony into the atmosphere, it opens up breakthrough for you. Whether you realize it or not, they may have made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony it releases something into the air and we see time and time again through the bible especially the old testament the moment they began to forget the testimonies of the lord the things in front of them even though they weren't bad became idolatry yes. time and time again i want to read you a scripture listen to this this is in psalm 78 it said the children of ephraim being armed and carrying bows they turned back in the day of battle they did not keep the covenant of God, and they refused to walk in his law. And look at this. 
and they forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So picture this. There's a group of people that they are equipped for battle. That is you. You are equipped. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes his home in you and you are empowered. You are empowered to go and to do the works. Jesus said it. He said, listen, you don't have to believe me. Believe in the works. You remember this? And so there are people who are armed for battle, yet they turn their back on the battle and they run the, this is not a prophetic picture of the church in America. They're armed for battle. The spirit is looking for a place to land, yet in the midst of being armed and being ready for battle, we turn our backs and we run. Why? Because we have forgotten what he's done. Why do I read this book? Not because it's religious duty. It is my inheritance. God, if you, if you slayed a giant through David, every giant that comes in my way has to fall. Thank you for one clap. It has to fall. If the Lord can cause Moses to raise a staff and part a sea, then surely he can make anything in my life come to pass. And the testimonies of the Lord, they empower us as you build history with him. So when I go to prayer, I used to come to prayer and I would immediately go to my situation. Oh God, please. An intercession, right? I thought this was intercession. This isn't intercession. This is poverty mentality. Oh God, please. Oh, oh. And then I came to a moment in my life where I said, you know what? I'm not going to start with my deficiency. So when I come into, and this is still something I'm working on, right? This, this, Because the immediate reaction is that God, because we believe that God is yoked to us, we want to make him move wherever he, we want him to move. So as we come into prayer now, we begin to, we start with this. God, I thank you for the time. God, I thank you for the time where we were at this church and it was 10 people. And we were so discouraged, but you did something, God. God, I thank you for the time where I put my hand on that guy in Mexico on his foot. And I had no faith. I had no faith. I was at a small group one time, and they, they were talking about healing. And they were like, God heals, and God does this. And I was just there. And they go, oh, Pastor Gio's going to pray for you, and God's going to heal you. And I said, Sisa. I said, what? I said, bro, you had the word. Go ahead, lay hands. All new believers. Like, like. It was a family. In Mexico, it's not common to have a family of 25, you know? It's like, and, and I walked towards him, and I was thinking, God, you have got to show up. Because, like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, this is going to go down. No. I walked to his ankle, and I put my hand on it, and it was like a Jesus. Please, I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> and then his, his ankle began to move. And I'm like, bro, stop moving your ankle. He's like, I'm not moving my ankle. Those kind of things in your life, they be, what do they do? When I, when I walk into prayer with a deficiency, I feel discouraged, I feel doubt. I, I begin to remind myself of all that God has done. And what it does is it gives me a new perspective to see my situation. So a lot of times I'll walk in and I'll say, God, please, I need breakthrough. And by the time I get done recounting, oh, God, I thank you that you repaired my marriage. I thank you that you took a 17-year-old kid who was addicted to drugs and was angry and you turned his heart. By the, time, by the time you get done with that routine, 
you're not begging God. You're saying, God, I thank you that that thing is going to break. You, you gain a new authority on the inside of you and a new perspective. The book of Joshua says this, Joshua 24, 31. This is the end of Joshua's life. So they had Moses, they had Joshua, they had wandered, they inherited promises. It's an amazing story. You need to read it. But it says this, Joshua 24, 31 says, The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. And it says this, Those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. So catch this. As long as there was someone present, a leader, who was willing to remind the people of what God has done, their hearts remained aligned with the Lord. As long as the testimony of the Lord was going forward, and as long as they were sharing, remember, remember when we were trying to cross the Red Sea and God parted it? Why did God in Joshua 4, as they were crossing over, he said, take 12 stones, each of the leaders of all of the tribes, take 12 stones and build a memorial. Why build a memorial from the center of the lake? Because one day they're going to ask us, what does that mean? And we will remind them that, that those stones came from the center of the Red Sea as God parted it for us. Might have been the Jordan. Probably was the Jordan. It was, it was a body of water. <laughs> oh, I love it. And what, what, I'm, what I'm praying for you is that we would stop trying to live our life through people. Why, why, why do so many churches die when pastors fall? Because, because you have a body of people that they're living their life through a person. But what happens, what happens when God builds a body of people who are nameless and faceless? Where we are to believe that everyone is just as powerful as the person holding the microphone. So quiet. This is your inheritance. From glory to glory, from strength to strength. And as we abide in Christ, he produces fruit through us. He changes us. He transforms us. So listen, you are only positioned to receive that which you are willing to give away. Say, well, I want more of God. Well, have you given away what he's given you? If you're going to wait till you pray like Benny Hinn, you're probably never going to accomplish anything in life. But we start in this place. Listen, where do we start? We start in this place of brokenness and barrenness. God, I need you. God, without you, this is where we have to start. I, I have to have you every day. And if I don't have you, I have nothing. Are you catching this? This is where God wants us. God cannot be everything if you're, listen, he wants to become everything. I say it every week. So what in your life has taken the place? As, as they were talking today during worship, they were talking about God 
you know, being enthroned? Where does he want to be enthroned on your heart? And some of us, if we were to be split wide open right now, I don't know what would be sitting on your heart. Maybe doubt, maybe fear, maybe anger, maybe Netflix, maybe Facebook. Maybe whatever political agenda the world is throwing at us. But in order for God to be enthroned, that has to be removed. You hear me? There has to come this place where, where we allow our barrenness to prepare us for the blessing of the Lord. Why don't we stand? I want the worship team to come. Listen, let's just, let's just be still for a moment. I'm praying as I was praying this morning. I always ask God, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? What do you want to do? And I feel like he wants to reduce us. We're saying strip us to this. God, only you. God, only you. Only you satisfy. And sometimes to move forward, we have to look backwards. So I just, I want to take a moment together. Some of you, you might need to get away from the person next to you. I just want, I want to beg you. I'm not, I'm not below it. I want to beg you to not be distracted. But allow the spirit of the Lord to remind you how far you've come. Come on, do you remember? I remember. I remember what it felt like to be alone. I remember what it felt like to be a captive to addiction. And now I'm reminded that I never have to live a day alone again. That I serve a God that every time I turn my attention to him, he is there. He is present. And it's not something that I believe. It's like Peter. It's something that I know. So God, I'm, I pray today. I pray today, Father, that you would mark us with knowing. Oh, it's available today. With knowing that he is God. To where else will we go? You have words that are spirit and life. Can we just position ourselves to receive? They're just going to sing over you right now. And I just believe that, that God is going to speak. Oh, come on.
Yeah. Just receive. Just receive. listen uh, you can stay in this in this moment but I want I'm gonna have Pastor Tiffany release a word that that came this morning during pre-service prayer that I believe that God wants some people to respond to so just just open your heart real quick and just ask yourself God is this is this me is this me so two weeks ago in, in worship I um I had a vision of of Jesus walking around the room, his eyes were on fire. And as he looked at us, our eyes caught fire and our hearts caught fire. And as our hearts caught fire, it was a purifying fire that things began to melt. And um, this morning I came in and I just couldn't stop hearing this. Um, a call to purification and refining of the bride, almost with a sense of urgency. I sense him requiring more of people and asking for a laying down of things. Even things that aren't necessarily bad, but they fight for the attention of our heart. He's looking for a bride who is pure and fully given, fully yielded, fully surrendered, fully willing to lay anything at his feet. A bride yearning to be filled with his fullness, with eyes locked on him and ears turned to his voice. A bride not looking for a position other than at his feet, not looking for a name other than beloved, not looking for a status, a bride 
looking to love him in spirit and truth. I see men and women stepping into their identities and becoming who they're created to be and the spirit of comparison amongst the body of Christ dying. Can I pray that over you? Jesus, we say yes, God. We give you every part of our heart that vies for, your, for our attention. Why don't you just ask him right now, Lord, what is it? What is it that I think about, I look to, whatever, more than I do you, God? God, we freely give it to you this morning. God, we're not looking for position and status. We want to be lovers at your feet, God. With eyes locked on you, Lord. We want to be a bride that is pure, Lord. If it doesn't belong, take it, Jesus. Yeah, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning, God. And I just hear this too. He doesn't want to take it. He wants us to give it. He's a gentleman. He's not going to take anything from us. He wants us to lay it at his feet. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Purify our hearts and our minds this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. Listen, listen, last thing is this. I want to pray. I want to pray. I believe that if you're in this room, there are many people that you would say, I believe. But what I feel God wants to do is he wants you to know. Two different things. You can believe something intellectually, but it doesn't mean that you know it in your heart. And what I'm asking right now is if you're in this room and you say, man, I believe, I come every week, but I don't know. How do you know the difference? Listen, you know God when your heart is soft and you're moved by his presence. If your heart feels cold, if you feel apathetic, if you just feel kind of like, oh, you need a fresh encounter with God. And you need to yield again and allow him to come. He says, those who draw near to me, I will draw near to them. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. He's not some sadistic God that is playing hide and seek. He wants to be found. So if, if you, I just want you to be honest. If you're in this room and you say, man, I believe, but I feel like I need to move into knowing, would you just raise a hand? We got people that are going to pray for you around the room. Anyone else? I want my prophetic company to reach around. Who else? Anyone else? You just feel that. Lift the hand high so we can see you. Yeah. You know what, this too, if there's anybody in the room that feels barren, you're like, man, when you were talking about barrenness, like I have stuff, but it hasn't, it hasn't come yet, would you just lift the hand so we can pray breakthrough over you for barrenness? Anyone else? Hmm. Okay, we'll pray. Let's just begin to pray over them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we pray for every single person in this room, God, to have a fresh encounter and a fresh experience with your presence, Lord. God, I pray that you would become real to them. Like the 12 that refused to walk away, God, that you would become real to them, that your presence would surround them. God, that you would become, that you would become the principal thing in their life, God. God, that we would be moved by you, that you would become everything. 
you would become everything to us, God. God, that we would be a consecrated bride, pure and spotless, pure and spotless, God. God, that you would awaken our spirit, God, that you would show us the things that are pulling us away from you, Lord, and that we would move from believing, God, to knowing, to knowing you by experience, through intimacy, God. Show us that path. We ask that you would make crooked paths straight, Lord, that your presence would descend on us, Lord, that we would be baptized by your presence. And God, I bless every single person here today. I ask that they would, that they would give birth, that they would give birth to everything that's in their heart. From glory to glory and strength to strength. From glory to glory and strength to strength. We bless you, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Wow.